Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, uh, this morning I was thinking through, like, we've had a great weekend so far, and uh, I know you guys are heading back. For me, like, I woke up this morning, and uh, it, was, it wasn't even daylight yet, and I peeked out the window, and I saw snow. So I immediately began singing Christmas songs, because I'm from, I'm from middle Georgia, and we don't see snow. Like, the last time, it, it's been 10 years since it snowed in my hometown. So uh, I love snow, and my wife's from Michigan. She's like, go to bed, go back to sleep. Like, she, she was over snow, like, as a teenager. And I'm just like, I don't have gloves. I don't even have boots. What a waste. I want to go make snow angels. So this morning, I was thinking through, like, what are some, what are, what's, what's, you know, what is the way to, to end a weekend like this? What's the way to end a weekend like this? I grew up in church. A lot of you guys grew up in church. Some of you guys, church is new to you. Um, some of you guys didn't sleep last night, obviously. Hey! Homeboy's out. Look, he's like, what? What? <laughs> Dude, you are out, bro. Like for 10 minutes, we've been talking to you and everybody's been staring at you. You had your, your tongue was hanging out. There was this drool was coming. <laughs> it wasn't 10 minutes. It was like 10 seconds. But, uh, but welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. That was kind of funny. Sorry, dude. I wasn't trying to single you out, man. But I, it was funny. Um, but I was singing through like, what? So, th- so this is what happens for church folk a lot of time. I, we get into our rhythm and we do our thing and we and we like we know we're supposed to read the Bible. We know we're supposed to go to church. We know we're supposed to pray. Absolutely, those are fantastic things that we do. But sometimes what happens is we begin to uh, um, I call it the checkbox mentality. Right? We begin to check boxes. I read my Bible today. Check. I went to church. Check. Um, I, even, I even put a little money in the offering plate. That's like a double check, right? Because I ain't got a lot of that. And, and, and what happens is we, we begin to go through these motions, and it's like, as long as I check the box, I'm good with God. That is a dangerous, dangerous pitfall that will lead you back to emptiness, that will lead you back to wanting a relationship. How many, how many friends, how many like close friends do you have where you're like, oh, I have to, I have to talk to them today. I have to visit them today. I have to uh, buy them a gift today. I have to spend money on them today. I have to, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like we don't do that with our close friends, right? We don't go, oh, the day's almost over and I haven't talked to so-and-so. I must talk, I must, I must talk with them or I haven't spent time with them or, you know, what I mean? like we don't do that because the people that you enjoy hanging out with, it just comes naturally, right? It's a flow. It's not forced. It's not, oh man, I didn't do that today. Oh well, I'll try better tomorrow. We don't do that with our close intimate friends. No, we don't do that. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. It comes natural. We desire to spend time together. We desire to do things together. That's the relationship that Jesus wants with you. The intimacy, the desire, the natural flow. So I was thinking, like, how, like we're woven into this, to this kingdom tapestry, but the scripture warns us in multiple places of falling back into, there, there's multiple names for it, but falling back into ignorance, falling back into the, 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 saint, the, the sinful, shameful desires in which we once lived. So, so I was, what are some things that I could just leave with these guys 
that are, that are more of a bigger picture to, to keep me from falling back. Like to keep me headed in the direction that Christ wants me to go. So that's where we're going this morning. And uh, you guys know the game Simon Says. You know, Simon Says, stick your finger here. Simon Says, you know, Simon Says, right? Simon Says. It's cool. It was cool back in the day. Like it's not really cool now. There's not like, hey, do you guys want to get together and play some Simon Says? Like uh, that, that doesn't happen. But uh, I was a youth pastor for years. So like Simon Says was like our, hey, if we got, oh, dude, we got to kill five minutes before such and such. Let's, but nobody prepared. Let's do Simon Says. And uh, we'll just give away a pizza at the end. Um, so, so youth pastor hack. So, uh, uh, so this game Simon says, you know how it works, right? Everybody knows how Simon says works. Yeah, everybody knows how Simon says works. If you're Simon, you get to be in control. Everybody like to be Simon. Like it's always fun to be Simon. It's, it was never as much fun to be the the listener. It's more fun to be Simon. But the key to winning Simon says, listen carefully and act accordingly. Right? If y'all listen carefully and I do what Simon says. Or if Simon doesn't say, then I don't do it. Even if the dude up there says, do this. If he don't say, Simon says, I don't do it. So, but that's true about life, right? Listen carefully and act accordingly. If I want to be good at just about anything in life, I can take the principles from Simon says, and it's going to greatly benefit me. Listen carefully and act accordingly. That makes sense. So what I don't want to do is put that focus on just about anything I don't want to be good at just about anything. I want to be good at following Jesus. I want to be good at being a disciple of Christ here and now. I want to be good at that. I want to be good at being the mouthpiece of God, the hands and feet of Christ, so that I have the opportunity to share the gospel and and, and move people from the creation tapestry to the kingdom tapestry to play my part in that, for allow God to use me. Man, that's fantastic. So, so I want to focus on three things this morning. And, uh, and the dude that I'm going to be in the book of 1 Peter this morning. So 1 Peter is kind of towards the end of the New Testament. If you're flipping there, if you got your Bible, if you've already made it to 2 Peter, you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. So, uh, so we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter. But I chose the word Simon says because Peter's name was Simon. So Simon was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his first followers, and his name was Simon. And he, and he, was, he, was, a, uh, he was a fisherman. He was an outgoing dude, man. He was, he was all over the place. He was kind of the guy that's like, speaks first, thinks later, you know, that kind of mentality. That was Simon. So he became a follower of Christ. And when he realized that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Peter. So that's kind of cool, right? So uh, uh, we're not going to change anybody's name this morning, but I don't know, it's kind of cool. I think his mama probably still called him Simon, but, uh, but he's, you know, Jesus called him Peter. So I'm going to call you Peter, which meant rock. So a little, just a little background there for context. So what, what Simon does and what Peter does, he writes this letter to the, to the church that spread all throughout Asia Minor at the, at the time, and he's, and he's reminding them once again, Hey, you're followers of Christ. Hey, there's a different way to live. There's a different. So, so he challenges them with three specific things that I want to share with you this morning that I hope you can take with you that you can just kind of begin your day with. Okay. This is not practical. Hey, do this, do this, do these specific things. These are kind of broad topics that will help you keep the specifics in line, if that makes sense. So let's, uh, uh, let's look at some things that I call this message Simon says. Let's look at some things that Simon says and, uh, and, and see if we can take this and wrap this weekend up into something that, that we can also take with us on a daily basis. So 
The first thing, I want to read a story before we jump right into Scripture. And, and this, is, this is the gist, man, of, of what can happen to us if we're not careful. There's this guy named Bill Hull. He's a pastor, and he wrote this book. And there's a, this is a little piece out of this book that I want to share with you. So he shared this. This was on the morning that, like, I think it was 83 or 86 people were joining his church. That's a lot of people. Like, that's a big day to celebrate. So he's going, and these people are about to come forward. He's going to present them to the church. And, uh, but before he does this, this is what he says to his congregation. So I hope you can kind of pick up on the tension here. Okay. This is what he says. This is great, isn't it? But before we get too giddy about new members, let me ask you a question. Why should we bring 83 new people into something that is not working? He's the pastor. He's the leader of this congregation. And this is what he's telling his church. Why should we bring 83 new people into something that's not working? Something is wrong. It's been tormenting me for several years. All the formulas, all the strategic planning, mission statements, visionary sermons are not making disciples. Where's the personal transformation? After all the effort we put into, into these services, Bible studies, small groups, outreach events, we're engaged in a studied routine of religious activity without life change. If we're not careful, we can get in a routine of reading our Bible, of going to church. Hey, it's youth group. We do that on Sunday night or Wednesday night or whatever, you, whatever night you guys meet. And you're just like, that's, that's what I do. And before long, it just becomes something you do and not a God that you are lovingly and passionately pursuing and who is desiring to transform you. If you're not careful even followers of Jesus can slide right into just a rut of just routine, a rut of routine. And it's a dangerous place to live. So these three things we're going to talk about this morning will keep us from falling into this rut of routine or rut of participating in religious activity that don't really produce life change. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You want to be a follower of Jesus? That's a, that's a big deal. And it doesn't require routine, mundane, day-to-day, -day, oh, checking the box. It requires daily being filled by the Spirit of God, daily pursuit of my Lord and my Savior and, I, and my King. I desire to be close to you, God. So I got to do some things to prepare my mind, and that's where we're going to start in the first one. Simon says, commit to being holy. Commit to being holy. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, and, and the therefore is there because, because of all the blessings that we've, that we've received because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of all those blessings. So it's like, therefore, because of all that, then he drops this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. A commitment to do anything begins in the mind, right? Like we can commit to follow Jesus. We can commit to do stuff. I remember when the Olympics were on when I, when I was a kid, I, wanted, I was like, I want to be in the Olympics one day. Like it was so cool. Like I want to be in the Olympics. And basketball was my jam. And I love basketball. I love baseball. I played football, but didn't like it. And, and uh, I, I love sports, but I was like, I'm not tall. I'm, the chances of me playing professional basketball, let alone representing the United States of America in basketball, I was also able to go, 
that's probably not going to happen because I had a wicked layup. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I can do a layup. So, you know, I thought I'm watching all these different sports and, and I had a 10 speed bike and, and I was watching these dudes like race around. I'm like, I'm going to represent America one day in the Summer Olympics riding bikes. So, you know what I did? I committed, dadgummit, I'm going to be in the Olympics. I'm like, I'm like 12 years old. And I'm like, by the time I'm 16, maybe, maybe 20, I'm going to be representing my country. So I trained and I trained and I trained on my 10-speed bike around the block, around the block, around the block. And I did it for three days, maybe four. And all of a sudden, I didn't want to represent my country on a 10-speed anymore. You know what I mean? We do that. We make commitments like that all the time. Oh, I'm all in, baby. Let's do it. And then you start doing it. And you're like, this ain't what it's cracked up to be. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. We make commitments like that all the time. You know what? Sometimes we make commitments like that with God. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm all in. But it begins in the mind. It begins in the mind. If you want to commit to becoming holy, it starts right here. And guess what? It stays right here. It stays in the mind. Jesus is, is, is returning one day. And when he does... I'm going to be made holy. Check out this verse. Let me dig into this verse a little more. With minds that are alert and fully sober, what are we supposed to set our hope and our minds on? Set, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Hey, guys, Jesus is coming back one day. He is coming back one day. And when he does, I'm going to be made fully whole. I'm going to be made holy. I w- Listen, holy and Josh Ray do not belong on the same playing field. I am not holy. I would love to stand up here and tell you, hey, I am perfect, son. I got it going on, but I don't. I lose my temper from time to time. I say things to the people I love the most. Sometimes I say the worst things to those people. I say things to the people I love the most. I wouldn't dare think of saying to anybody else. The thoughts that enter into my head, they can be downright evil. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be Christ. Like, I want to follow my Lord and Savior, but I am not perfect. And I will not be made perfect until Jesus Christ returns. So I read this scripture, and I set my hope, and I set my mind on what will be coming in the future so that it impacts the way that I live today. Does that make sense? If I set my hope, if if I set my mind on what is coming, it will happen. It will help me to make decisions today that will reflect what I am becoming, what I am on the path to becoming, and what, and what one day will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns. Verse 14 says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Just like a child can be obedient. Ephesians 5, I think it's verse 1, says, says Be imitators of Christ as beloved children. That's what it means. Imitate Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. When I'm a disciple, I learn from to live like someone else. If I'm a disciple of Christ, I learn from Christ so I can live like Christ. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Remember, night one, we talked about sin. The first thing, uh, the first thing Paul said was, hey, remember how you used to be? And we camped out that whole night on sin. That's who you were. And and, he's, and Peter's saying the same thing. Peter's saying the same thing to the church. He's saying, hey, guys, 
as obedient children. Don't conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance that you used to be under. You were under the power and the control of sin. But God saved you from that. You are no longer to be controlled by sin. And they use the word ignorance. So don't, don't find yourself sliding back into the ways that you had when you lived in ignorance. If I don't commit to becoming holy, holy daily, do you know what the natural out, outflow of me making a mental commitment to becoming holy daily? The natural outcome of me failing to do that is to slide right back to where I used to be. It's just the natural outflow of it. That's how it works. Being a follower of Jesus, Christianity, whatever label you give it, Christian, Christianity isn't a one-time decision. It's a way of life that requires our ongoing obedience. And then Peter says this in verse 15. Just as he, that's God, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. That's, that's the why. Why do we need to be holy? Because our God is holy and he calls us to be holy. We belong to God. He's holy. We're his children. He calls us to be holy. We should commit to being holy, to being set apart. Let me ask you guys a question. Are you committed to becoming holy? You're not holy right now. Nobody in here is completely holy. Nobody in here is perfect. But are you committed to becoming holy? It begins in the mind. When you make a decision in your mind to do something, and then like when I was on my bike, things kind of got hard. I'm doing this by myself. It wasn't any fun. I jumped ship three days later. But to follow Christ, I make a commitment to follow Christ. It begins in the mind, and I renew that commitment each and every day. God, I commit to being holy. What would it look like if you woke up in the morning and your very, very first thought was this? Father, God. Today, before I even put my foot next to my bed, I commit to being holy. It's like putting a shield around your mind. I commit to being holy. It sets the tone for your day. Are you committed to being holy? Being a Christian, a follower of Christ, being a disciple, again, whatever you call it, whatever label you give it, it's a way of life. It's not a one-time decision. Commit to being holy daily. Simon also says, says commit to being holy. He also says live with a healthy fear of God. Fear is a good thing. Like there's a reason that fear is, you know, fear can be unhealthy, but fear can also be super healthy. Like there's a reason when I got one of them glass top stoves in my house. So if it's on like high, the little burner turns red. But if it's on like low, it looks like it always does. It doesn't look any different if it's hot or when it's cold. So there's a reason when I walk up to it, if I think it's hot, like I'll just tap it. I'll tap it. And if it's like, ooh, that's hot. Uh, now, I, I, I shouldn't say this because my wife's back, but sometimes if I think it's hot and I'm like, is that hot? This is what the dudes do this. I'll just kind of spit on it a little bit. Just not, a, not like hawk up a loogie on it. I don't do that. I just be like, you know, just a, and if it's hot, it'll, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was hot. And then, but you know, that, the heat sanitizes it so it's fine or it flavors it, one of the two. I ain't eating at his house. We don't cook right on the cooktop. I don't spit in the pan. I just want a cooktop. But she'll talk to me. But my wife will let me have it for that one later. But that's what we do. It's, it's, that's, there's like a healthy fear. When I was a kid, 
I don't know, we went through this phase, man. I was in like, I don't know what grade I was in, but I was little. But like all of us, all of us in the little neighborhood kids, we went through this phase where we would jump off each other's roofs. We just jump off the roofs. Just because we could and we were boys, the girls in the neighborhood, I never saw them jumping off a roof, but the guys were like, hey, let's jump off the roof. <laughs> okay. You know, we jumped off my roof. We jumped off Pete Allen's roof. We jumped off Jody Mullendore's roof. We jumped off Wendell Cole's roof. But guess what? My buddy Clay Livingston, he jumped off the roof with us. But not one time did any of us ever say, let's go jump off Clay Livingston's roof. You know why? Clay Livingston lived in a two-story house. <laughs> Didn't even cross our mind because we got a healthy fear of that. And we should have a healthy fear of God. Like, why should we fear God? That sounds kind of like God loves us. God gave us this gift of mercy and grace. And, 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 and he's restoring peace in our life. And he's filling the voids of all these different things we're chasing. Why do we need to fear him? Shouldn't we just love him? Yeah, we should love him, but we should also fear him. Well, why? Why do we need to fear him? Since you call on a father, verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I don't know if you caught that, but that's why we should fear God. We should fear God because we are going to be judged for the way that we live. We're going to be judged for the way that we live. One day our heavenly father is going to judge us for our deeds. So what's at stake? When we're judged, I, 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 like our, 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 our eternal destiny is not, not at stake. Like our relationship, it's not like God says, oh, you sinned, you're out. You weren't perfect, you're out. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God is going to judge us according to our deeds. Like we're going to be rewarded for our deeds, but we're also going to be judged for our deeds. Verse six says this, the Lord disciplines Excuse me, not verse 6, Hebrews 12, verse 6, different book. The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a child. I had a great dad. My dad was old school, though. He believed in the belt, son. I mean, some parents believe in the belt today. Uh, some don't. But my dad, man, he loved me. There were uh, so many things that I did not do when I was growing up because I had a healthy fear of my dad. I never doubted that my dad loved me. I never doubted. I had a fantastic dad. Some of you don't know what it's like to have a, a fantastic dad. I had a fantastic dad. I'm not trying to rub it in your face, but there were some things that I did not engage in because I knew if I got caught, the joy of engaging in whatever that was was not going to be worth the punishment. And the fear of the consequence was heavier on me than the potential joy of doing whatever it is I want to do. Every spring break of my life from high school on, I wanted to go to Panama City Beach. All my friends went to Panama City Beach. Every daggum spring break, I wanted to go to Panama City Beach. I was in college, and I wanted to go to Panama City Beach. And my dad was like, you ain't going to Panama City Beach. There ain't nothing good that goes on to Panama City Beach during spring break. You don't need to be there. And I was just like, dad, man, but everybody's going. You know what I mean? And everybody went, and everybody had a good time. And some folks came back pregnant, and some folks came back with horror stories, and some folks came back hooked on new pills they'd never even heard of before. And as I got older, I was like, dang, my dad was right. I was ticked at that joker because he wouldn't let me go to Panama City because he didn't trust me. Don't you trust me, dad? My dad was like, no, I don't trust you. It ain't my job to trust you. You're supposed to trust me, boy. That's how my dad talked to me. <laughs> but he was always right. And he kept me from things. But I was scared of that joker because when he punished me, it wasn't like, go to your room. Joker lit my backside up, son. I'd be calling defects today. But you know what? 
I never doubted my dad loved me. Never once doubted my dad loved me. I knew why I wanted to go to Panama City Beach. And it wasn't because I was going to go have some worship services with my friends. It, wasn't, it had nothing to do with that. I want to go hang out. I want to have fun. I want to be free from authority for a week. Try some things I didn't get to try at home where I wouldn't get caught. But I had a healthy fear. And my dad, we're supposed to have a healthy fear of the Lord in the same way. Because again, I read this Hebrews 12, 6. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Sometimes, sometimes the, the, the junk that's going on in your life, sometimes it's completely out of your, tro- out of your control, but, uh, but many times the stuff you go through in your life, it's called consequences of your sins, of your actions. We know how that works. So we commit to being holy and we also live with a healthy fear of God. Let me, uh, let me put it to you a little bit different. First Peter 18 and 19 says this, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So this is kind of a, hey, back up and let's look at what's involved here, right? Let's back up and let's look at the price. God paid a price for us to be adopted into his family. That was through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he paid on the cross. And this is, what, this is what that verse says. That price wasn't paid with something cheap, you know, like silver or gold. Now, that should put up a red flag in your mind because I'm like, hold up. Silver and gold, we call those precious metals. Those are rare. Those are worth a lot. And Peter's saying, you weren't paid for with something cheap like silver or gold. You were paid for with the precious blood of Christ. That's what purified you from that creation tapestry that was corrupt and introduced you into the kingdom tapestry. It was through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he's like saying, don't you dare take that for granted. It was expensive. It was costly. It was sacrificial. God paid a price. Sometimes, sometimes we treat God's love. If you ever needed a if you ever had to move, let's say you got to move something, right? You need a truck, but you don't have a truck. You got a Toyota Prius. You need a truck, daggummit, because you got to move some mattresses and beds and stuff. So you need to borrow somebody's truck. And your friend says, I got a truck you can borrow, man. I, I, you know, I'll drop it off at the house. And this is what he drops off at the house right there. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess it'll move. It'll move something, right? But you know what? Your buddy shows up with that and he lets you borrow that. And you put your stuff in the back of it and you got to move it across town or wherever you got to move your stuff. But th- this is what happens. If he shows up in that, you don't have to be very careful with it, do you? You're just like, hey, man, you know, I was, I was leaning over and, and the, the little, the little uh, rivet, the little metal part on my jeans, it kind of rubbed across the side of your truck. And I put a little scratch right, right back there on the, on the back by the bed above the gas tank. Man, I am so sorry that I scratched your truck. Like if that's my truck, I'm going to be like, hey, brother. Don't sweat it, man. <laughs> it's really okay. Might make it shine a little more. I don't know. You know what I mean? You get in that truck and you're hungry, so you stop at McDonald's on the way, get you a Happy Meal, and you spill your Coke in the floorboard of that truck. That truck, it ain't got carpet. It's got vinyl, guaranteed. I ain't even got to look inside. That's got a vinyl floor in that truck. You know what I mean? Like you get that and you're like, oh, and so you just throw some napkins on top of it. And when you take it back, you may or may not even tell your friend that you spilled a Coke in there. Because I mean, look at it. It ain't that big of a deal, right? It's just not that big of a deal. But it got the job done, 
did what I needed to do. But also, I'm driving that thing around, and I see one of my other friends. I pass him on the road. I'm not like, what up, feet? I'm like, window up, slide down a little low, because I won't be seen in this truck. It's a beater. But on the other hand, if my friend loaned me this truck, I might be like, I don't even know if I want to put furniture in the back of that thing. And, and if when I'm loading it up, there ain't no way I'm going to rub, you know, my belt buckle or this little rivet on the side of my jeans. Like, uh, 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 I ain't scratching this thing. And you go on to move whatever it is and you pass McDonald's, you're like, well, we, we, uh-uh. Because you know how when you put in French fries up, sometimes salt falls off, falls up in the seat. You know, we ain't eating this truck. We're not going to do that. So many times, God's love is like, we treat it like the old beater. Ah, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about it sometimes. Ah, you know, I scratch it up, mess it up, make some mistakes. Not really that big of a deal. But God's love is like that thing, man. And God says, use it. Use it. Yep, it's beautiful. It's precious. It's nice, but it's meant to be used. That truck is so much more powerful than that other truck. I saw one of these in the parking lot at Lowe's one day. It was crazy, man. He parked like three to my wife and I are walking in in Lowe's, and, and, and I see that thing, and the guy's getting out, and I'm like, dude, that is a sweet truck, man. That is a sweet truck. He had to feel a little bit weird because I was, I was like, I was, I was giddy, man. I was like, I was like dude, that is, a, that is a freaking nice truck, man. That, I mean, I don't know if you know that, but that's a nice truck. And I know that he knows that because as I was walking in, there were some other people walking out. Two different people walking out were like, dude, that's a nice truck, man. I've only ever seen one of them. And I literally, it's the only truck I've ever seen where I was like, I've heard about it, but they really exist. And it's like God is saying, this is what I have for you. Use it. Use it. Live with a healthy fear of God, but not with, the, well, not with so much fear that I'm afraid to come and, and sit at his feet and hug him and tell him about my day and tell him where I've messed up, but also tell him my desires and tell him that I'm seeking him and chasing after him. I want to be a part of him. If you're going to live out the gospel, it's going to be with a healthy fear of God. And the last one is this. Simon says, commit to being holy. Simon says, commit to a healthy fear of God. And also, commit to love other Christians deeply. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves to be holy, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I'm going to be honest with you. We're called, the church is called to love each other with a type of love that people outside the church see. And they're like, what's up with that? I want some of that. That's crazy. They got some kind of cult thing going up in there. First, they're going to look at you like, what? But then they're like drawn to it because that kind of love is contagious. That kind of love people want to be a part of. But let me throw this at you. I don't have a problem trusting God. I don't have a problem trusting God. In fact, the more you trust God, the easier it is to trust God because he don't let you down. But you can tell you that what to, want me to tell you what I do got a problem trusting? Other Christians, people. I do. I'm just to be honest with you. I got a problem trusting other people. You know why? Because other people let you down. You, know, you guys know how it is. 
Anybody ever let you down before? Yep. No fun, is it? Let me turn it just a little bit. You ever let somebody down before? Yeah, done that too. Guess what? When I let somebody down, do you know what I want them to do for me? I want them to forgive me. I want them to go, hey, man, I understand your circumstances. I, I don't agree with your actions, but I, I get it, man. I forgive you. I love you. We bros. Come on. Let's go hang. That's what I want people to do when I do them wrong. But do you know what I do when somebody does me wrong? I know the right thing to do, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I hold it against them for a little bit. I leverage it a little bit. And I'm not proud of that. I don't like that about me, but that's what comes natural to me. But God says, hey, you want to live like me? You want to learn from me? You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? You forgive them and you love them. Can you imagine a world where we forgive and where we love when people stepped on our toes? I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when, when someone that you love, when someone you have a relationship with, when they're not perfect, that you show them grace and mercy, just like your heavenly father showed you grace and mercy. That's an uncommon love. It doesn't come natural. It's something we have to intentionally do. So what I want to throw at you this morning, because we're, we're, we're about to, I'm about to be done. This is big picture stuff. It's like a big umbrella, right? I wake up every morning. I commit to being holy. I live like Jesus is coming back this afternoon. How would your day be different if every single morning you woke up and said, I think Jesus might be coming back at 8 p.m. tonight. So how would I live my life differently today? What would really matter today? And it's like Jesus is saying, hey, man, live like that every day. Commit to being holy. Commit to live like Jesus is coming back this afternoon. And live with the fear of God. Live with the fear of God because a father who loves his children punishes them when they do wrong. For the sake of correction, for the sake of love, for the sake of their betterment. So I live with that fear of God. And then finally, we love one another with a crazy stinking love that God loves us with. And when we do that, you'll notice the people around you, they might think you're a freak. They might think you're a little crazy, but they're going to be drawn to that kind of love. Because that kind of love, we all desire. We all desire that kind of love. It's written into our DNA. It's, It's what our creator put inside of us. Simon says, commit to being holy. Simon says, live with the fear of God. Simon says, love one another deeply. And if you want to win, you know you got to do what Simon says, right? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, I thank you so much for this group of students, for their attentiveness. Uh, God, for, for everything that's taking place here this weekend. Lord, the time that we've spent in your word and the time that we've spent uh, getting to hang out and play and, 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 and just do cool stuff together. Um, Lord, I pray blessings over each and every person in this room. God, I pray blessings over the churches that are represented here, the families that are represented here, the individuals. And God, I pray that you would use the people in this room to further your kingdom, God. And we pray this in the awesome and the holy and the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.